Praise the Lord. I want you to give a hand clap of praise for Reverend Barry Haggerty. Come on, lift your voice all across this place and begin to praise the name of Jesus. He's the one who's worthy. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Begin to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Lord, we praise you tonight. Jesus, we bless your name, Lord. God, we come before you tonight expecting, Lord God. Father, we declare your kingdom tonight, Lord. We declare your kingdom in power, Lord God. We declare righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit to be released upon your people tonight as we rejoice in you, as we rejoice in your goodness tonight, Lord. You're a great God and greatly to be praised. And we will bless your name, Lord. We will declare the truth of you, Lord, in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Remain standing. We're going to get into the word here real quick. Let me uh, get my electronic devices going here. Amen. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to read a couple of passages from the book of Matthew. What a privilege it is to preach the word of God tonight. I want to give a shout out to Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen, and all the, the Brackens. Pastor texted me before service and said, I'm praying for you. So he's either watching live Love you, brother, or we'll be watching it a little bit later, but uh, what a privilege it is to be here with you tonight. My wife Jan and I are just so grateful to God for all that he's doing uh, in, in this church, all that he's doing in our lives, all he's doing in our family. I know Pastor Kirsten introduced me as a guest, but you know, we're, we're family. I, I know. No, it's fine. It's fine. So book of Matthew chapter four, I'm going to read two verses from there, and then I'll read from chapter 5. So I'll give you just a moment. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 17 first. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says this. From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then look on down to verse 23. Matthew 4, 23. And Jesus went all about Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes, verse 25, followed him from Galilee and from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. And then let's continue on in chapter 5. Verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. One version translation says, when you get lied on, you should take count it as being wonderful. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray again. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I pray, Lord, in the time that we have that you would just anoint me, even as you've laid this message on my heart, to deliver it as you would have me delivered. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. 
We speak, Lord God, we declare with our voice that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven will be proclaimed here and will go forth from here and we will advance your kingdom and we put the kingdom of darkness on notice that your days are numbered and that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is victorious and will reign forever and ever. And we give you praise, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in this place. Well, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm, I'm kind of glad the month of May is almost over because it's been a crazy month for the Haggerty family. The month of May has been a whirlwind month. We've had a, a high school graduation, and we had relatives and family come in for that. And uh, coming up this coming weekend, we've got a wedding, uh, that, and we've got relatives that are here for that. And so it's just been one thing after another for, for the Haggerty household. Uh, but I'm just so thankful for all that God is doing. Uh, in our lives, and hopefully God has been pouring out his blessings upon you. His word promises us that he will. Tonight I want to encourage you. I want to give you a message, a word from the Lord tonight from his word that's one of encouragement. That's my, my goal tonight, uh, to, to encourage you and to challenge you. And the encouragement and the challenge for you tonight is that you and I were created for a kingdom. We were created. We were planned. In fact, a couple of passages of scripture, Psalm 139 15 and 16 talk about the fact that we were formed by God and, and, and he formed our innermost parts and he wrote out all our days, recorded them in his books before we had lived a single one of them. So God had a plan and a purpose for each one of us. None of us are a mistake. None of us are a happenstance. We're all destined by God and we're destined to be part of a kingdom. We're destined to be part of his kingdom. That's his plan. Jeremiah 1.5 says, uh, before you were formed, I knew you. You know what that says? That says to me that God... We were created in the heart and the mind of God. Before there was ever any substance to our being, God planned us out. He thought us out. And there's a purpose and a plan for that. So we're in, to be encouraged tonight and challenged that we were created for a kingdom. We were created for the kingdom of God. We were created to be part of the kingdom of God. We were created to be an integral and much needed part of God's kingdom here on earth and God's kingdom in eternity. I also want to encourage you tonight that after this message... If you find yourself seeming to be in the wrong kingdom, on the outside looking in from God's kingdom, that you'll have an opportunity when this message is over to make that right and to enter into the kingdom of God. See, when I study scripture, when I look at scripture, I, I see three things. Uh, there's a lot I see about the kingdom, but I boiled it down to three things uh, that I understand about three main kingdoms in scripture. There's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light, which is what God has created us for and called us to. There's the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of darkness. And then there's also what I call the kingdom of self or the kingdom of flesh. Now, can I tell you, can I give you a little hint tonight? Stay away from those last two kingdoms. Stay away from the kingdom of darkness and stay away from the kingdom of self. Because both of those kingdoms, they only lead to one place. Death, destruction, eternal separation from God. But you, need, you and I need to realize that we play a part, that God is, has, has, has crafted us to be part of his kingdom. If you do a word study about the word or the phrase the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, man, it will encourage you. God's word has this to say about his kingdom. I, I, told, our, uh, I told Michelle, I said, I got a whole bunch of scripture. I'm going to rattle them off real quick. I expect you to fire them off on the overhead. And I said, no, I'm just kidding. But if you do want to take notes, 
I'll give you the scripture reference. Some of my, I might, I might quote all of it. Some of it might just hit a little bit because there's a ton of scripture on the kingdom of God. But God's word says this about his kingdom. God's word says that the kingdom of God is unshakable. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service. God's word declares that his kingdom is heavenly. 2 Timothy 4, 18. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. It tells us that it's eternal, 2 Peter 1, 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word tells us that God gives the kingdom as a gift. Luke 12, 32, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is a gift to those who seek it above all things. Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. God calls us to the kingdom, 1 Thessalonians 2.12. He sets us in it, Colossians 1.13. He makes us worthy of it, 2 Thessalonians 1.5. The kingdom belongs to the poor in spirit, the persecuted, and the childlike, all found in the Gospel of Matthew. The, to enter into the kingdom, you must be born again, Jesus said, John chapter 3.3. 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17 tells us that the kingdom is peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mark 9, 1 tells us that the kingdom of God is accompanied by real power. And Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 tells us it's the most powerful kingdom of all. That passage says, The seventh angel sounded, and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and forever. Amen? The kingdom power is manifested in healings, miracles, exorcisms, raising the dead. In other words, that's what should be commonplace in the kingdom of God. That's what scripture tells us. It's a glorious kingdom. It will surpass all other kingdoms in wisdom, beauty, power, and wealth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Mark chapter 10, Matthew chapter 6, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Revelation chapter 21. The kingdom is to be brought about by being proclaimed. This proclamation can be to individuals or to entire communities. And this gospel, the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ is the proclamation of the kingdom. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts tell us that. The kingdom of God requires some diligence to enter into it. Like a prized pearl or a treasure, it must be sought and valued above all things. Matthew chapter 13. There's a certain spiritual alertness and readiness of heart that is always required for believers who are part of the kingdom, Matthew chapter 25. Radical steps may be necessary if we are to fully enter into the kingdom of God and leave the hindrances of this world behind, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 19. The cost must be counted, Luke chapter 14. And sometimes the supreme sacrifice must be paid, Matthew chapter 10. Verse 37 through 39. Church, that's not all that the scriptures have to say about the kingdom of heaven. But we don't have time to look into each one of them. But I think it's safe to say tonight that the kingdom of God is a really big deal. Can somebody say amen? amen. And guess what? We get to enter into it. The way has been made, church. The price has been paid. So church, welcome to the kingdom of God. We sing that chorus and that song here. And it's got that in that line. Welcome to the kingdom. All the rich, all the poor. Amen? Welcome to the kingdom. Our text in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And then it says everywhere he went, he preached and taught the principles of the kingdom. Tonight I want to give you some insight into Matthew chapter 5. A passage, of, a, a section of scripture that's normally known as the Beatitudes. And i got to tell you, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, otherwise known as the Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of this earth. And in fact, if you look at all th three of those chapters, what you are seeing are the bylaws of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7, that's telling us how to live like kingdom people. That's telling us how to be kingdom people. And Jesus starts it out in Matthew chapter 5 with what I call the steps to the kingdom of God. Amen. So let's look at this real quick tonight. It says in verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I remember growing up in church and being in children's church and Sunday school, and the Beatitudes was something that you, you memorized. You memorized chap Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And you'd, and you'd get points in children's church. You'd get candy. You know, you'd get something afterwards if you could memorize the, the Beatitudes. And for a lot of people, that's all it really is, is the Beatitudes are some really nice sayings. You know, blessed is if you were that. But i got to tell you, Jesus had a purpose. He had a plan. He had a, he had a reason for starting out this sermon this way and starting with this verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Because you know what? If you don't know you're poor in spirit, if you don't know that you need Jesus, if you don't know that you need to get have an entrance into the kingdom, you're never going to find the entrance into the kingdom. You're never going to see the entrance in the kingdom. So Jesus is giving us here in these verses in Matthew chapter 5 what I call the steps to the kingdom. And step number one is to be poor in spirit. Now, we're not talking about financially poor. We're talking about that you come to the realization that without him, we are nothing. Without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we will accomplish nothing that will matter, nothing that will be eternal. That we are poor in spirit, and by being poor in spirit, then we are candidates, excuse me, we are candidates to be able to come into the kingdom of heaven. But that's the first step, because this progresses. Because when you're poor in spirit and you realize you're poor in spirit, you realize how much you need God, that you need something in your life. You're tired of living life the way you've been living. You're tired of beating your head against the wall. You're tired of being busted and disgusted and down and out. And it sure seems like there ought to be something better than what you're living with. When you get to that point, one of the natural reactions is to mourn. But look what Jesus said in the next verse. He said, but blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So do you see the progression? I'm gonna, I'm, man, I'm poor in spirit. I need God. And man, that makes me feel really, glad, really bad. But you know what God says? I can work with that. I can rush in and I can bring some comfort. I can bring some love. I can bring some peace to your life. And as you, as you take that step of being comforted by God in the midst of your mourning, of your poor in spirit state, you're taking a further step into the kingdom. And then when you realize that you are poor in spirit, and even though you're poor in spirit and you're mourning, that you're being comforted by God, the next one says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now what is meekness? Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is an attitude. And you know what? It's the attitude of the kingdom. Now I love basketball. It's the greatest sport ever invented. It's the only one really worth playing. At, at, at 53, if you were to say, hey, Barry, let's go hit the court out on the parking lot. I'll be there. Indoor, outdoor, day, night, it doesn't matter. I love to play the game. As my kids were, as my sons especially were growing up, now Zach's 30, John's 14, soon to be 15. When both of them were growing up, it was nothing for me to, to wipe the court with them. 
okay? But you know what? I decided I wasn't gonna have the attitude of, I'm, I'm something special, I'm hot stuff, and I'm gonna prove it by wiping the court. My, I let my sons beat me, I let my sons shoot. I wouldn't try, not because I, but as they got older, I tried it. Now John, he gets pretty excited whenever he can block my shot, which at 53 and he's gonna be 15, yeah, he can, he can block my shot. But it's an attitude of the heart is what Jesus is talking about here. Blessed are the meek because, see, when you understand that you're poor in spirit and there's nothing you can do about it and you mourn and God steps in and says, I will comfort you in your, in your poor in spirit state and I will give you comfort for your mourning, you begin to have the develop the attitude of, man, it's got to be about him, not me. It's not a matter of weakness or my strength. It doesn't matter what my weaknesses are. It doesn't matter what my strength is. The only thing that matters is him. And when we develop that attitude, when we take on that attitude of the kingdom, of being meek, you know what? The word says the sky is the limit. It says they shall inherit the earth. That means God's got everything in store for us when we develop the right attitude as part of the kingdom of God. But let's move on. Because as you begin to develop the right attitude, as you begin to have the attitude of it's not a matter of weakness, it's not a matter of strength, it's not a matter of, of what I can get, it's all about him, then you begin to realize that, man, I am poor in spirit. He is comforting me. It is all about him. He must have something for me. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because guess what? They're going to get filled. Now, see, if you don't look at the Beatitudes in this order, the way the Holy Spirit's given it to me, there's still power in the word. But, man, it unlocks some keys to the kingdom. Because there's lots of people that want to be like, man, man, I hunger and thirst for good things. And I want to be filled. But they haven't, they haven't got past the poor in spirit. They're, they think they're all right. They think they're good. They're not mourning about nothing because they think life's good. And, and what, what Jesus is saying is when you have the right attitude, when you've taken those steps and you've gotten to that place where you realize it's all about him and he must have something really special, man, if you hunger and thirst after that, with all, and if you've ever been hungry, if you've ever been really thirsty, you know it doesn't matter. Get out of my way. I see what it is. I see what I want. It's like the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't care if she had to crawl on the ground, if she had to push past people's ankles, if she had to move and shove people out of the way. All she knew was she was sick. There was nobody that had ever been able to help her. She had exhausted all her resources, but there was a man, and his name is Jesus, and he's been healing people, and he didn't even have to lay hands on me. I'm so hungry and thirsty. I'm just, if I could just touch his garment, the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. When we have that kind of attitude that says it's about him, not about me, and I'm hungry and thirsty for all you got, guess what? He's going to fill you up with the principles of the kingdom. He's going to fill you with power. He's going to fill you with peace. He's going to fill you with joy and righteousness and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then when, you, when you've taken those steps, you begin to realize, you know what? God's shown mercy to me. He's shown mercy to me. I was poor in spirit and didn't even know it. And then I realized it because he came and talked to me. And then I felt bad, but you know what? He, he, I was mourning and he comforted me. And then he helped me have the right kind of attitude that made me realize there's a whole lot more out there of him that I need. And he's beginning to fill me up. That's mercy. And Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. So to be part of the kingdom, as you take that step, you begin to realize, man, I didn't deserve the mercy of God, so I'm going to give mercy to other people so I can stay obtaining mercy. I'm going to be merciful to other people that are poor in spirit and begin to tell them, hey, I found the kingdom. Hey, I found that pearl of great price. Hey, I found that buried treasure in that field. Come and see. Come see what the Lord can do in your life. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, you gotta get, you got to get through those first steps before God can really begin to purify your heart. 
Because if you and I don't think that we're poor in spirit, then we got a heart problem. We got a heart issue. If you and I mourn but don't think God can comfort us, we got a heart issue. If we're not willing to show mercy to other people, even though we've had mercy shown to us, we got a heart, a heart problem, a heart issue. But Jesus is saying, man, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers. Once you've got a pure heart before God, man, you're going to seek peace and pursue it, the word says. You're going to seek to bring peace into every situation. You're not going to look for strife. You're not going to look for conflict. You're not going to look for quarrels and fightings. James says, why, why, why is this stuff going on? It's because of the quarrels and fightings among you. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to throw 11 and 12 in there with it, combine it with that. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Here, here's, here's the final step in this progression of steps into the kingdom. You're poor, you're poor in spirit, and you come to realize it. And you realize there's nothing I can do to help myself. i got to have God. And I'm sad about that, but God rushes in and brings me comfort, and he, he, begins to, he begins to comfort me. And then I begin to develop that attitude of it's, it's all about him. I don't have to worry about strengths or weaknesses. I can, just be, I can just be humble before him. And when I do, he'll begin to fill me up with all of himself. And because I've had mercy shown to me, I'm going to show mercy to other people. I'm going to begin to tell them about the kingdom. And because I do that, my heart's going to be made pure before God. And as my heart is made pure before God, I'm going to seek peace with all kind of people. Guess what? When you get to that point, it doesn't matter what people say about you. When you've stepped that far into the kingdom, when you've sold everything out for Jesus, and you've said, I was poor in spirit, but I'm not anymore. I've been comforted. I've got the kingdom of heaven. I've got a pure heart before God, and I will see him. I'm a peacemaker. He's given me mercy, and I'll give mercy to keep giving mercy. Go ahead and say what you want to say. Persecute me revile me lie on me say whatever you want it doesn't matter because I'm too far into this I am too sold out for the kingdom of God it doesn't matter what you say I don't care what you have to say in fact you know what you could develop a little bit of Holy Ghost attitude is that found in scripture yes it is the early church, the early church apostles and disciples were arrested and taken before the religious leaders because they were preaching Jesus and they were healing people, healing the sick, and miracles were taking place. And the religious leaders said, if you don't stop, we're going to beat you. And you know what they said? You know what? As far as we're concerned, go ahead and beat us. Because you know what? You killed him who we're preaching and it is, far much, it is far better for us to do what he says than do what you say. So do your worst. You're not stopping us. And that's being part of the kingdom. So what does all this mean, Barry? You've taken us through these steps. What, what does all this mean? Well, actually, it means quite a lot. Because guess what, church? God's kingdom is an eternal, everlasting kingdom. It's not some chump change, out of date, irrelevant, small time thing. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the head of this eternal kingdom, he came as a baby, he died as a lamb, and he rose as the victorious lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is the soon-returning conquering king. And we are the people of his kingdom. And I think it's time that we begin to conduct ourselves as kingdom people, as the people of God. I believe it's time for the church, for you and I, to come to ourselves again. What do you mean by that? Remember the prodigal sons in the Gospel of Luke? 
The prodigal son had left his father's house and spent all that he had on riotous living, on worldly living, on sinful living, and he found himself in the pig pen, desiring to eat the same thing as the pigs. And then he came to himself, Scripture says. This means the person that he was acting like was not the person he really was or was meant to be. He came to himself. How does that apply to you and I, to the kingdom, to the church? Well, let me give you some more Scripture. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in both Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the othermost parts of the earth. Luke chapter 10 verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God little children and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and let me give you one more scripture just for good measure Joshua chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 5 every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon I have given you to that I have given that to you just as I have said to Moses there shall not be any man able to be stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not fail you or forsake you now listen, I may not be a Hebrew or a Greek scholar, but I can understand from these verses and from what Scripture says that God identifies his people as winners. He identifies his people as overcomers. He identifies his people as triumphant, as victorious. The will of God for his church, for his kingdom, is victory, not defeat. It's advancement, not retreat. These verses of Scripture and many others like them paint a picture of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Ghost, fire-filled, baptized church, marching in victory, treading down anything that stands in its way. I think it's time we come to ourselves. I think it's time we shake off the lie of the enemy. I think it's time we shake off the, the enticement of the pig pen, the enticement of the things of the world, and realize, man, I am part of something greater than this world. I am part of something that's eternal. I am part of something that's unshakable. I am part of something that will never fail. And, I, and he, God's given me an opportunity to enter in, so I'm going to enter in. And I'm not just going to enter in just a little bit. I'm not going to be like the... the, the the, the people, I can't, I remember the Disney movie, Tarzan and the elephant who was, didn't want to get in the water because they just sticking the toe in the water because they were afraid it was something in the water, something that might hurt. And, and then the, the other animals and Tarzan just, they jumped all the way in, went all the way under. Man, it's time we get in the kingdom and we get all the way in. It's time we don't just walk over to the head and you go, man, that looks really, and that looks really good, but I'm not sure. It's time we put behind us the things of the past. We put behind us the lies of the enemy. We put behind us all the, the junk that the enemy in the world and our flesh. Remember those kingdoms? The kingdom of our flesh. Look, the kingdom of me, the kingdom of our flesh, you, aren't, you don't have the right to rule. I don't have the right to rule. There doesn't need to be any king me sitting on my throne, ruling over my kingdom of my life. It needs to be surrendered to the Lord and become part of the kingdom of God and jump right in. We're not just to be survivors trying to hold on and hang out till Jesus comes. We're not just to be a few leftover, beaten down warriors trying to hold the fort till Jesus comes and saves us. We are not the few, the weak, the discouraged, the defeated, just trying to keep our heads above water, treading water until we die. Now, some might say, you know... Uh, I read the back of the book. We're going to win, so it doesn't really matter. Well, guess what? You're right. Praise God. We do win. But don't skip to the back of the book and miss all of what God says from Genesis all the way up to Revelation. All that he says about the precious promises that he wants to give us. All that he says he wants to do through us. All that he said, the demonstration. Remember, the kingdom of God comes in a demonstration of miracles, signs, wonders, exorcism, resurrections from the dead. That's what Jesus did. 
He began to go into the synagogues and preach and teach the principles of the kingdom, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons. And Jesus said, I'm going to, I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place. The Holy Spirit's coming. And because he's coming, he's going to empower you. And when he empowers you, you're going to do greater things than I ever did. So that tells me if we're going to jump all the way in the kingdom, if we're going to be kingdom people, if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in you. If we're going to do that, man, we got to jump in. We got to determine who we are. We got to, we got to understand that what God has given us, this, 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 this precious, precious word of God, God is a record and testimony to the overcoming victorious lives of God's people. And it's also our manual for strategy, for warfare, and victory over the power of hell. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes I'm guilty of taking it for, for, for granted. But there's, there's a reason, a reason why, why we have entered into the, the kingdom of heaven. It's Jesus. His, His precious, precious blood. His blood has not changed. It is still as powerful today as it was the day it was shed on God. His blood washes us clean. His blood washes away our sins. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You and I, our church, are called to lift up the banner of the kingdom, to lift it high, to sing and march in victory. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus is not just a defense against the attacks of the enemy. The blood of Jesus is our spiritual battering ram for busting through the gates of hell and setting people free. Hallelujah. Like the hymn says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Hallelujah. Church, we are, let me remind you tonight, we are saved by the blood, we're healed by the blood, we're delivered by the blood, we're justified by the blood, we're protected by the blood, we overcome by the blood. We're not here on planet earth just to survive and maintain. We're not here to blend in. We're here to take over, church. We are here to advance the kingdom of God. Guess what? Advancement is forward movement. That's why they call it advancement. You know why they call it retreat? Because that's moving backwards, and God never called us to retreat. I heard somebody say the reason why the spiritual armor that Paul describes in Ephesians chapter 6 doesn't talk about anything that covers and protects the back is because we're not supposed to turn and run. We're supposed to advance forward, and everything we got, the shield, the helmet, the breastplate, the belt, the sword, the shoes, they're all for advancing the kingdom of God and fighting that spiritual warfare battle that is part of being in the kingdom. Are you getting something tonight? When the church is walking in holiness, covered by the blood, fire baptized in the Holy Spirit, the church, the kingdom of God, is the greatest force on earth. Throughout history, they've tried to burn it out, flood it out, beat it out, kill it out. But the blood-washed church is still alive and still moving forward and still shaking the gates of hell. The church is a force to be reckoned with. The Bible says we're the head and not the tail, the lender and not the bar. We are above only and not beneath. 1 John 4, 4 says you are the children of God. I said it, I read it earlier. And you've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's the secret to the triumphant kingdom of God. The power of another, the power of the greater one in us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Through the power of the Holy Ghost, the greater one lives on the inside of us. He's greater than what? Greater than he that's in the world. Now, he that's in the world is the devil, and he goes by lots of different names. 
drug addiction, pornography, lust, sickness, disease, poverty, lack. It doesn't matter what name he goes by. Greater is the one that lives inside of you than any of that. He's greater than heart trouble. He's greater than cancer. He's greater than diabetes, kidney trouble. He's greater than any sexual sin that, that you might be struggling with. God is greater than any of those things. And because you've entered into the kingdom of heaven, he is in you. And you have the power to overcome every one of those. You and I were created to exercise power and authority over the enemy. We are commissioned to cast the enemy out, to deliver the bound and the oppressed, and to set the captives free. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And he said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. (coughs) Pardon me. In my name shall they cast out devils, They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Church, this is our time to shine. This is our time to stand up. It's our time to stand up and be counted, to speak up for righteousness, to not take a back seat anymore. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness shall cover the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you. It's time we rise up, church. It's time we enter into the kingdom of God. It's time we make sure we've taken the steps to be made right, and to be made holy, and to be saved, and to be on the road to sanctification, and to be on the road to to a transformed life, so that we can begin to shine the light all around us. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we're not supposed to take a back seat to anybody. We are the church triumphant and we are and we should be taking our place. And when we are taking our position and we are reigning in life by Jesus Christ, then we will begin to see great things happen. Now I'm almost done. If I could have somebody come to the keyboard, that would be awesome. Church, we are the kingdom of God. Welcome to the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is within you. What did Jesus say when he taught us to pray? It's called the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. I've heard people say this is, this is a tune-up. This is a warm-up. This is a, this is a, a, a preseason to actually get into the regular season of living in heaven. And we don't need to wait till we get to the regular season of heaven before we begin to exercise the things that God wants to do in us. We have the power and authority because of what Jesus Christ did. Again, not because of what we did. We're poor in spirit, but because of what he did. And when we exercise what he did and apply it to our lives and allow it to be made manifest in our lives, we begin to pull down heaven onto this earth. We begin to pull the reality of heaven down into the lives of people's reality. Next time somebody asks you to pray for them, why don't you pray that? Father, I pray the reality of heaven become their reality right now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth, in this person's life right now as it is in heaven. Because in heaven there is no sickness. In heaven there is no disease. In heaven there is no lack. There is no mourning. There is no sadness. There is no, there is no disease. There is nothing that, that is anything bad. Everything good. Everything perfect. Everything holy exists in heaven. And Jesus is telling us that we have the right to pray just as it is up there Lord let it be right here right now my time right now where I am amen 
We are the kingdom of God. We are the ones who recognize that we're poor in spirit, that we are desperately and hopelessly undone and lost without him. And that is what and that is what puts us in the proper position to enter into the kingdom in the first place. And because of that realization, though we might be mourning about it, we've been comforted by the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And that in turn has caused us to develop the proper kingdom attitude. And it isn't about our weaknesses or our strengths, it's about him. And by having a him first, me last attitude, the sky is the limit to what we can accomplish for his kingdom. And we are the ones, church, who have come to believe that if we're hungry and thirsty for all capital A, capital L, capital L, capital all of him, his righteousness, he won't disappoint us. But he will fill us to overflowing with all that he is and all that he has for us. And the more we are filled to overflowing with him, the more we stop looking inward and we begin to look outward, looking for and seeking those who are on the outside of the kingdom, those who are desperate for mercy and forgiveness. So instead of being judgmental, we operate in mercy so that we can continue to obtain mercy from the throne of grace. And this causes our heart to be made pure. And as the one, as someone of pure heartness, if that's a word, we can gain access into his presence to literally begin to see God everywhere because our hearts are pure. Scripture says to the, to the pure, all things are pure. And as the kingdom, as the members of his kingdom, as we are at peace with God, we are at peace with others and peace with ourselves and once more prove our son and daughtership in God. And having allowed the Holy Spirit to develop these kingdom traits, these kingdom characteristics in our lives, realizing we are living for something greater than ourselves and looking forward to the day when we are welcomed home, we won't care what they say or what they try to do to us because we are the triumphant kingdom of God. Hey, church. Welcome to the kingdom. Come on, give God praise tonight. Come on, just rejoice tonight in that fact. Stand to your feet all across this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, maybe after that, rather excited explanation of the kingdom of God, you find yourself in the precarious position of being on the outside looking in. You thought maybe you were a member of the kingdom because, you know, you would like to be filled with righteousness because you hunger for it sometimes and you thirst for it sometimes. And so maybe that makes me part of the kingdom or, or you know, I'm, I'm merciful and I show mercy to those who, who deserve mercy. And I try my best to be at peace. But, you know, there's just some people. There's just some people I can't. Maybe whatever the situation may be, you might find yourself in that position of realizing you're on the outside looking in. You know that God has given us a promise. It says that he has, it says that he has translated or brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the light of his glorious son, Jesus. One other passage or interpretation, sorry, translation says he has conveyed us. What's a conveyor belt do? It carries somebody. Because, you know, sometimes you just find yourself in a position where you just, you know you're not where you're supposed to be. You just don't know how to get out of it. You, you're in the pig pen. You're looking at the stuff. It's looking really good. And you come to yourself and you're like, how did I get here? And how do I get out of here? Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, he conveys you. He picks you up. It's like this Holy Ghost conveyor belt begins to move you from darkness into the kingdom of light. And I want to give you that opportunity tonight. I want to give you an opportunity to realize, to come to the realization right now. Everybody, every, everybody across this place, bow your head, close your eyes. 
Let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you right now and come to the realization that you're poor in spirit. Man, I thought you thought you had it all together. You thought everything was good, but, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to you because of the truth of the word that was unfolded tonight and you're beginning to realize, man, I don't have him. He's not my Lord and Savior. I'm not in the kingdom like I thought I was. Tonight we can change that. If that's you, within the sound of my voice, those of you online, watching this by podcast, listening to it later, if that's you, let's change that right now. Don't worry about your Alaska Club membership. Don't worry about your social club membership. Don't worry even necessarily about your church membership. Worry about your kingdom membership. Where, where's, the member, where's your member, kingdom membership at? If you're here tonight and you need to be moved and conveyed, carried, translated, transported, gloriously moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and you, you want prayer for that, would you lift up your hand all across this place so I can pray for you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, we got some memberships that are being canceled memberships of the kingdom of darkness memberships of the kingdom of me being canceled and some new memberships being signed up for the kingdom of God all across this place anybody else anybody else you want prayer for this you, you, you're saying I just want to know I just want to make sure I thought and I just want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt tonight I want that peace I want that that pure heart to begin to be developed in me I want that mercy to be applied to my life come on lift your hand if that's you if you haven't already lifted your hand all right Listen, it's like 8.35. I want you to do me a favor if you would. Those of you that those of you that raised your hand, I'd like if you would to come forward and join me across the front. Those that are coming, come on, give them. Come on, this is something to rejoice about. This is something to rejoice about. If you raise your hand, come on. Come as close as you can to the front. Come all the way up to the edge if you can. Thank you, Lord. Even if you didn't raise your hand, but you're feeling a tug, you're feeling something pull on your heart tonight, and you know you need to be down here. Come on, come and join these right now. Those of you that came forward that raised your hand, first off, can I tell you that I'm proud of you, but the one that's really proud of you is your Father in heaven. He is so proud of you tonight. There is not a single thing wrong with repenting. There is not a single thing wrong with, with realizing your poor in spirit state and saying, God, I can't do anything about it. I need you to do something about it. People would say, you don't need that. But man, there, it's, it's, there's freedom and power. There's freedom and power in repenting. So I'm going to lead all of us in a prayer right now. Those of you down front, especially if you would pray this with me, but why don't we all pray it together just so we can all make sure that we're part of the, we're card carrying members of the kingdom of God. And after, after we pray that prayer, I've got some, some, some staff and altar workers that are going to just pray with you real quick. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Kirsten in just a second, but let's, let, let's all pray this prayer with me. Repeat after me. Father God, thank you that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And you want me to be a part of it. You wanted me so much that you sent your son Jesus to pay the price for my membership. So right now, God, I repent. I ask for forgiveness for all my sins. I acknowledge tonight that I need you, that I'm desperate for you, that without you, 
I have nothing. And thank you for offering yourself to me, for hearing my prayer tonight, for forgiving my sins and making me a member of your kingdom, of your family. Teach me now to keep growing and to keep stepping further into your kingdom. In your great name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise again. Those of you that came forward, don't go anywhere. Pastor Kirsten.